Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. It's a very happy Monday in Trojan land because, of course, USC is going to be playing in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Uh, should be a lot of fun. we got a bunch of questions and concerns and uh, comments of people writing in about the game and about where USC was going to go. And, of course, now it's the Rose Bowl, so most people are happy. We're going to talk with our buddy, Coach Harvey Hyde. Um, he is uh, an expert on USC football, covers the team, has been doing it for years. We've had him on the podcast for many, many years. And you can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Let's welcome him in. Coach, what's going on, sir? Well, I tell you, it's been a very great weekend as far as when I say great weekend, not just for USC, but for college football. A championship weekend, I don't know how it could get any better than that. I mean, you try to figure who's going to go where and who's going to play who and who's going to be the favorites today and all of the different things that surround college football. And you don't know how many calls I've gotten. Please tell all your listeners, don't call me for tickets. (laughs) <laughs> I tell you, people are texting me and calling me for tickets. Can you believe one person called me and asked me for 12 tickets, Ryan? 12 tickets. I said, are you kidding me? 12 tickets? I'd be in the ticket broker business <laughs> if I had to get 12 tickets. But I'll tell you, it, there's excitement at USC. There's excitement at Penn State. Two teams really hot at the end of the year coming to pass it. Adina for a tremendous event. You know, I've always said that the granddaddy of them all is the Rose Bowl, very close to the Rose Bowl, and I like what happens in the Rose Bowl. I've always said that's where the national championship game should be played every year immediately following the Rose Bowl. The next week on a Monday night, uh, they have the national championship game. I've always said that. It's a college venue. It shouldn't be played in a NFL venue. It should be played in the granddaddy of them all. But, uh, USC's in the granddaddy of them all, and it is exciting the way the Trojans have finished and get this opportunity. For sure, Coach. And uh, so I guess you didn't like my request for 12 tickets then. So I'm sorry. But Was make... that you? Yeah. With, oh, yeah, the initials. <laughs> now I got it. R-A. I didn't know who it R-A. That's you. Just kidding, Coach. Yeah, I, I, I already had like a cousin from Pennsylvania who I don't even been to California before. It's like, hey, can you get me Rose Bowl tickets? Um, so, yeah, so. No, I can't. Don't ask me. Um, but if you want to ask someone, I would ask Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter. Ask him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. He's the mayor of Pasadena. You oh, must don't, be, don't <laughs> be asking me on Twitter. Tell him to call Southern California Ticket Service. That's who I've told every single person that's called me. I, say, I give him the telephone number or I text it to him. And I say, this is where you better go. But the ticket company is in Pasadena. And if, they, if you need Rose Bowl tickets or parade tickets, there's only one guy to go to, and that's the guy that knows what's happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. So sctickets.com, they've been helping us out for years. So if you need Rose Bowl tickets, uh, give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. Tell Curtis hi from Coach and Ryan, or go to sctickets.com, and they'll definitely help you out. And uh, if you have any questions for the show, we're going to answer your questions. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call us at 641-715-3900, extension 816. 646 or go to our website peristylepodcast.com you can click on the left side of the page 
and leave a voicemail right from your computer or device. Uh, we're on iTunes, so please subscribe. Please leave us a five-star rating. Um, and some comments, some positive comments that would be wonderful. iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. And we're available on uh, Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio and Audio Boom and all the places you can get uh, podcasts and stuff. Well, Coach, um, before we jump into the questions, it's funny. There is a lot of dominoes that kind of needed to fall in place. And for several weeks, I think we both have been saying this. Where, well, if this happens and this happens, this, I mean, it looks like where people ask, where do you think they're going to go? I'm like, I kind of think USC is going to the Rose Bowl. Like Washington wins out and they win the conference. You know, Colorado wins out. So USC doesn't go to the championship game and USC sitting there with three losses. If Colorado loses to Washington, they'll have three losses. I think USC would jump ahead of them. And so many people were like, no, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's like, so all these things had to happen. Was Washington going to make them play off? Was Colorado going to drop down? And the final rankings, the second to last rankings came out, Coach, and with Colorado and USC being two spots apart, people were like, oh, there's too much of a jump. And like, well, the two teams between them play each other. One's going to move up, one's going to move down. I mean, that, that's essentially like they're next to each other, and you don't think USC would jump ahead? Uh, and so there was a lot of dominoes that had to fall, but the, all of them were the most likely scenario in my mind, and I think your mind too, and they all fell. We were waiting after the playoff was announced. There was one domino left to fall. It fell. USC comes in at number nine, Colorado number 10, and the Trojans are going to the Rose Bowl against Penn State. You're exactly right. That's what's going to happen. And then there was a little bit of negotiations that went on, too, a little bit here and there. They had to make sure that Michigan moved below Penn State in the poll because the Rose Bowl could have selected Michigan. So they made sure that Michigan went below Penn State, and Penn State now goes to the Orange Bowl and has a great game down there against Florida State because they had to make sure, because the way of the format, that you have to be ranked higher. Because they, the Rose Bowl could have picked USC and Michigan if Michigan would have been ranked above Penn State. But Penn State then moved up and was in a position that, uh, to be above Michigan, so they couldn't take Michigan. Not that I'm not saying that they were. But I'm saying that there had to be done that way. And then they get two hot teams, two teams that have really rolled, a lot of enthusiasm, 11-2, and 9-3. And, and, Ryan, as we've been saying and uh, all along, I had no worry about that as far as the – I thought it was a benefit for USC not playing in the championship game, but they just sat and wait. They didn't have to beat Washington again. And uh, I had a great feeling that Washington would beat Colorado. I didn't think – Colorado was a dominant team, and I think I still don't think Washington is a dominant team. In fact, in my poll that I have right here in front of me, I have USC fourth in the country. As far as if they go by the standard of the four best teams currently playing right now. So I don't know. They do and they don't, but they do say conference championships mean a lot. So let's go along with what they've done. I think the Rose Bowl is a great venue for USC to be in and the first year for Coach Clay Helton and his players and team. But with them sitting back and watching and Washington dominating Colorado, they couldn't do anything else. Remember, USC dominated Colorado in the Coliseum. And you remember on the final play, Juju could have scored a touchdown. He fell down. That would have been another touchdown. People forget that sometimes along the way, uh, what happens during a season. But when you look at all that what happened, it, it ended up the way it should have been. 
USC should be in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Penn State, the Big Ten champion. Also, they've won, what, eight or nine in a row, too. Their fan base is excited, and uh, USC's fan base is excited. So let's get it on. Yeah, let's get it on. Um, people are excited, and uh, that's, it's you know, for good reason. And it's been a crazy run here, winning eight in a row. Penn State's won nine in a row. So you talk about 17-0 run by these two schools. So tough to get a great matchup like that in the bowl game, and, and you got it. So it's a good thing. Um, let's get to some questions, Dan. I mean, Dan, sorry. <laughs> we had a question from Dan. I'm not going to read that one yet. We have a question from Eric. He says, uh, all is right in the world. There's nothing better than USC in the Rose Bowl and seeing the band march in the Rose Bowl parade, uh, in the Rose Parade. I have a question for Coach Hyde. Which of USC's opponents this year is most similar to Penn State? Thank you, Coach, Dan, Keeley, Shotgun, and Gerard for getting us through the season. Eric in Duck Country. Well, that's a good question. I haven't really thought of that, but as you were reading the question, I started to think about it. Uh Probably Washington. I would say probably Washington. Uh, uh, they have skilled players. They have big receivers. Uh, uh, Washington does. Washington has a good running game. Uh, Quarterback-wise, uh, you know, uh, I've said this on a lot of my other shows. I haven't said it on this show, but the best quarterback in the Pac-12 is Sam Darnold. I'm telling you that right now. If I had my choice between any quarterback as a, as a coach, I'd draft him if we were having a college draft. Uh, but I'd say Washington probably is the closest thing as far as, uh, who they are, how they play. Very physical. But again, you know, it's different conferences, you know. I'm not sure just, uh, about the Big Ten and the strength of the Big Ten, uh, the quickness in the Big Ten, the speed in the Big Ten. And, uh, so, uh, you know, the, I haven't seen the odds yet. But I'll bet you this. I'll bet you this. And this is a gentleman's bet, okay? I'll bet you USC is the favorite over Penn State, okay? And Penn State is ranked, uh, what, fifth or, what is Penn State? Sixth or fifth? Fifth, yeah. Fifth. And USC is ninth, okay? Now you tell me if that's really the way it goes. Doesn't Vegas normally know what's going on? You watch and see what happens. Do you know the odds yet on the game? You know, I, someone posted, I haven't looked specifically, someone posted like six and a half or seven USC was favored by. Oh, how can that be? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, how can that be? I think Vegas should pick the four top teams in the country. Yeah, Vegas has. I now, think... that might be a strong statement, but I'm just saying, you know, not gaming-wise, but I'm saying those guys know. I think Vegas had USC, like, third. If you look at the the polls, like the, you know, R.J. Bell or any of those guys that are, like, handicappers, I think the Vegas poll has... Alabama, Ohio State, then USC third. Really? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, Vegas obviously respects. So I think it just means that, that Vegas would have USC as a favorite over everybody in the country except Alabama or Ohio State. That's, that's why I believe it to be. Yep. And that's probably the way I would go with it too. I, I really do. And, uh, uh, but we'll see what happens. I know, uh, Ohio State's a favorite over Clemson. I, th- I've heard that, I think, by three and a half. And Alabama will be, I'm just guessing, I'm not an odds maker or a bookmaker or whatever, but I'll bet you they're 14 points favored over Washington. And I think uh, I don't want to get into that, picking games here. But uh, we'll see what happens with that game. (laughs) 
yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe Alabama was like a two touchdown favorite. Um, let's go to Steve. He said, love the show and have even developed a fondness for Coach Hyde. So I guess you've won someone over, Coach. Uh, I write this on Sunday morning in the certain knowledge that I'm right about the final standings. Who'd have thought at the end of September that the Trojans would be playing in the Rose Bowl? And who'd have thought that Colorado, of all teams, would have such a profound uh, influence on us in the league? If we had played in the conference uh, title game, either we'd go to the Rose Bowl or Washington would go to the playoffs, but not both. But since the Buffs beat Utah and lost so convincingly to the Huskies, both the league and the Trojans get the best result. Fight on. Stephen Beaumont, California, USC Law, 1971. Very good. That's exactly what we said, and that's what happened. It worked out perfectly. And uh, as we said earlier, I had a good feeling Washington would dominate Colorado in that football game. I don't think they didn't have a great game. I think I admire what uh, McIntyre has done at Colorado as far as turning it around. It's a beautiful facility, and I hope he remains there and develops it so the Pac-12 remains the type of conference that it, it should be. Remember, most of the opinion on the Pac-12 conference this year started in the USC-Alabama game when USC was defeated quite handily on national TV, so everybody thought, oh, uh, Pac-12's not very good. Well, that's not necessarily true. USC was just not ready to play Alabama at that time. They were not ready to play. And what USC has done is improved itself as far as coaching-wise, as far as being able to utilize their personnel in the correct type of offense and defense and and schemes that have made them a better football team, and the staff has learned to work together and uh, utilize their skilled players and defensive skilled players in molding together a, a team effort. And that's what's happened. Uh, they need, you know, they needed to get the tight end in the offense. They needed to do certain things because Juju Smith was being double covered. Let them double cover them. That means somebody else is going to be open. The offensive line really improved, and the running game came around. Sam Darnold gave. The offense a different look, not only by his ability to pass the football, but run the football. He was a triple type of threat guy. The defense was playing well when they went to two down, uh, uh, linemen and then utilized their outside rush. They learned how to contain and the linebackers made good tackles. And they, you know, there, there's certain things that made them a better football team and they still have a ways to go in getting better, but they can't be better than what they are. Believe me, they can. And they got to utilize these 15 days of practice. I know there's going to be a lot of distractions as far as things you have to be at and recruiting and so on, but they got to utilize these practices, not waste them to become a better football team and improve on what they did and what they still need to do to become a better football team. And I hope that that coach Helton does that. Um, all right, let's move on to a voicemail question, coach. Uh, here we go. This is for Dan or the coach. I'm going to be the first to admit that I was one of the people who disrespected Penn State and wrote them off as overrated. However, after watching the Big Ten Championship last night, I see some areas of concern for SC. SC has consistently struggled against big athletic and physical wide receivers such as Tim Patrick of Utah. Even against Notre Dame, their big receivers won many matchups but simply dropped a lot of passes. It seems like every Penn State receiver in that game was at least 6-3, physical, and athletic. Furthermore, the Penn State receivers will not drop passes like the Notre Dame receivers did. 
Also, that defense may be undersized, but they're extremely well coached and incredibly physical. I think this will be a much tougher game than many SC fans realize, and if we underestimate this team, we could be embarrassed for a second bowl game in a row. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Thanks and fight on, Jason from Longhorn Country. Jason, a very good uh, analysis of Penn State. I thought that was excellently done. Uh, USC has struggled against big receivers because of the undersized corners compared to, you know, 6'5", 6'6", Doy Jackson especially uh, against Patrick at Utah when he slipped and fell when he you know, you can do, you can have a guy covered, but if a guy outreaches you and can jump higher than you, it just doesn't, you just, uh, that's why you always hear me say, put the tight end in the slot and make mismatches. Well, that's exactly what mismatches are. And when you can, uh, when you have big receivers, you throw to a spot and that receiver gets to the ball, and no matter what you do, and unless you have pass interference, you can't get around him to knock the ball down. That's a very, uh, uh, very smart uh, evaluation of Penn State as far as they've got a lot of they've had a lot of big plays as far as in their wide receivers uh, defensively they're aggressive and what's happened when you start to win you form confidence in yourself right now Penn State and Jeff Franklin they really felt they got they should have gone to the, 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 the final four they really do believe they deserve that and he's going to utilize that in the Rose Bowl game by saying we're going to prove uh, because Alabama is going to beat Washington, uh, we should have been that team. And that's going to be a motivational talk of Frank. He's a very emotional person, very emotional coach, and he will get to those kids this way. Uh, so it's going to be very important, uh, the game plan they put together defensively and offensively USC to be able to control that. But I think that they can do that. But I agree with you. Uh, it's very dangerous, those receivers, on, uh, especially on the Dory Jackson side. And not that I'm not saying that Dory Jackson's not a great football player, but they're going to tag him uh, with slots and two big receivers on one side of the field where he's going to have to take one of them or isolate him where he's going to have to take one of them, and then they're going to work on him. Same thing with Ewan Marshall. They're going to do that same thing, too, with him. He's a bigger receiver, but he's physical and and doesn't have the confidence of covering the deep ball. Uh, we've seen that the entire year. So, uh, yeah, they, they will try to take advantage of that, and they'll have every game. And believe me, all the films are broken down already, and they're uh, they're starting to work on it. You mentioned Adoree Jackson. We had a question from Reggie uh, in Seattle. Um, and, by the way, the uh, Heisman voting uh, ends today. Uh, I sent them my ballot yesterday. Uh, electronic. It's electronic. It's not, you don't have to send in an actual ballot. You uh, just do it online. But, um, he says, do you think USC and the coaching staff ruined Adoree Jackson's chances to win the Heisman Trophy by not playing him on offense more and promoting him the way Michigan promoted Peppers? I realize, uh, your team has to win as well. I just think USC, if USC had really promoted Adoree, he could be in serious consideration for the Heisman. Maybe it was team first. Uh, Reggie in Seattle. And I'll, I'll jump in real quick, Coach, and before you get your thoughts. USC traditionally has not been very aggressive as far as promotion of awards go. Um, I mean, Carson Palmer, when he won the Heisman, wasn't even on the cover of the, the media guide that year. So it's just, it's just been more of a, I guess, more of a conservative kind of approach. They're not, you know, I get a lot of promotional stuff from people at the beginning of the year, different schools just throwing a lot of crap out there. USC hasn't done that traditionally. They've been more, but 
you know, they did put a com- campaign together, but it started like a week ago. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of feel that they could have done something earlier and him only playing, you know, a, a play or two on offense for a lot of the games, I don't think helped either. Um, but that, that's my thoughts. Get yours, coach. Well, my thoughts are your team. Okay. My thoughts are you don't worry about personal awards. Okay. Personal awards come from success of a football program and you do what you need to do to win games. We're not in the business to create a movie star. Uh, you know, those stars come from success and, and, uh, and I, and I'm glad that, uh, Clay Helton didn't utilize that thought all the time, pushing one athlete. Because when you push one athlete, it, it doesn't help your football program. But Dory Jackson will, you know, when he runs back a punt or runs back to kick off or intercepts a pass or makes a play or two on offense, okay, great. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your job. So it's not like, you know, should we put a highlight too when he fell down in the Washington game? They scored a touchdown or a highlight when he got, when he fell down in the, in the Utah game and they scored a touchdown. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to point out negatives and positives, but you know, we're not in that at. You're into the score. What's the final score of the game and how the team wins or loses together and you cry together, you, you celebrate together, you travel together, you all won, your family. Like Coach Ed Orgeron used to say, you're one heartbeat. One guy doesn't make it all happen. And remember, you've heard me talk about morale as far as when uh, people uh, have someone come over and play your position because uh, they think they're better at it or the coach does. That works, and he's had success on doing that. But, hey, I think Coach Helton handled it well, and I wasn't for him going on the offensive side of the ball. You heard me say that. And at the end of the year, I don't know, he caught those swing passes, scored a touchdown and did some things for Help the Trojans win, which is great. But let's don't let's don't say it's a one man's effort. Why USC is where it is. Let's say it's a team effort where USC is is. And uh, yeah, they you know you can always push one guy, but why would you put it all on one guy early in the year? He's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. And look at Jackson. You know he started off so strong. He'll probably win it. I don't know. But look how Louisville finished their season. And finished the season that strong. So I think a Heisman Trophy winner is a tremendous compliment to the university and to a young man. But winning football games is number one. Yeah, it makes sense, Coach. Um, let's see. Let's move on. We got uh, Nick in Cyprus. He said, real quick question uh, for you guys. Your, who is your team offensive, defensive, special teams, freshmen and most improved players uh on this year's team fight on fight on love what you guys do fyi go army beat navy in the only game this weekend wow okay i didn't have time to prepare for this but yeah, i'm yeah, gonna throw it out head. Yeah. might be wrong you know on my thoughts uh, i would think the most surprised player of the year i would say is sam darnell i'm just gonna make that up put him somewhere He's got to be the surprise player, the newcomer of the year, no matter who it is. I would say that uh, I thought on the offensive line, I thought Chad Wheeler really had a banner year after missing spring practice and coming back, making first-team all-pack 12. I thought he played way above what I ever expected him to play. He, he had trouble in the past as far as owning the line of scrimmage and run blocking. I thought he really improved on that and pass blocking. I think, well... The offensive line as a whole improved. 
I think they've got still a ways to go to get a lot better. I think Fala did a good job. The snaps were better coming back this year. I think that was something you always heard me talk about is the timing was off entirely all the time last year and the snaps of the ball, not the quarterback not knowing where the ball was going. And it threw off the timing. So I think that the offensive line uh, did a good job. As far as most valuable offensive player, well, you know, I'm not going to say Sam Darnold because we already said that, but I would have to say, oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to pass on that one to you. So uh, who would you say that is? For, okay, so for which one? Most valuable offensive player. So, I mean, I would probably go Sam Darnold as most valuable player, offensive player, you know, any player. Um, defensively, it's interesting. I might go with uh, Stevie Tuikolovatu. I think he just filled a really important role. Like, without him there, I just don't know what the defensive line would have looked like um, and the whole defensive front. So I would probably pick him. Special teams to go Dory Jackson. He's the one that won special teams, you know, player of the week a couple of times for the Pac-12. Um, How about most improved defensive player? Most improved? I got one in mind. Uh, who do you think? Oh, I'm going to give it to Port Augustine. Yeah. I think Port Augustine learned a lot of football this year. He always plays hard, but uh, he learned how to rush. He learned how to tackle. He learned how to he flies around all the time. He learned how to contain. Uh, he improved a lot. There was a lot of breakdowns he had earlier in the year as far as containment. And I thought he really became a good football player. I liked him. Uh, I'm not going to compare him to Clay Matthews, but sort of gives me that type of attitude, the way he plays and flies around and has no concern about his body. And, and, and you know, I liked him. I, I, I thought he did a good job. And, you know, Cameron Smith, he's always around the football. You can count on a hit or two from him every week, so... I like guys. I don't want to use the term headhunters because that's not a good term to use any longer. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean. I, I thought they did a good job. And uh, the secondary, I thought Hawk flew around a lot, Hawkins, Chris. And I think the secondary rotated around good. And they had a lot of players in the secondary. McCray had a pretty good year. Uh, and uh, that's the way I feel. I think, uh, you know, uh, that's that's the way I look at it, and you know I didn't have it. And I agree with you, Stevie T was <laughs> like a blood transfusion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but look at him. Did he make the right move or not? He left Utah, came to USC. People say, well, sometimes why do you do that? He came. He was a backup at Utah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we want you to know that. Came to USC, just fit the mold. Older guy, young players at USC, was a leader. They liked him. He fit in. No ego problems. A man that they needed in the in the huddle and on the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think he made second team all conference. Uh, played hard. Uh, I think that's exactly what they needed. And what he brought to the defensive side of the football, Ryan. I'm agreeing with you. I would name him the most valuable defensive player. I really would. Oh, good. That makes me feel good, Coach. I mean, I, I think other guys you could put Deontay Burnett as a guy that. Improved a lot. I mean, he had to step into a starting role when Stephen Mitchell went down. But even before that, he was doing, uh, you know, really good things there. A guy like a Michael Hutchins, who's been on the team a long time and really didn't get to do much. And he's a, you know, starter, played all those reps. Um, seeing him in there, I thought Iman Marshall started playing a lot better too. Uh, he was improved. I mean, for freshmen, you have to go Sam Darnold. He was the best freshman of the year, obviously. He's the best player of the year. So. 
he made the biggest difference. But yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. And, uh, I think a lot of worthy names, uh, out there, but there's just a few of them that we're talking about just to give you thoughts on that. Um, let's go, Brian. He says, what's up, Brian? Or what's good, Ryan? Uh, Brian from Beham checking in SEC, SC fan and SEC country. Season's greeting to you, Coach Hyde. And Dan, attached is an email of a photo of my Trojan Christmas spirit. And I know you guys can't see this, but he's got a uh, USC Christmas tree, a small Christmas tree with uh, USC um, ornaments on it and cardinal and gold uh, candy canes, which looks cool, a couple USC cups and a couple USC hats. So he's all uh, he's all ready for the Rose Bowl. Um, he said, got a question uh, for you and Coach Hyde. Now that Max Brown is gone, would you, how would you, oh, I'm sorry, would you prepare Jalen Green to back up Sam Darnold or burn the red shirt of Matt Fink for one game. As always, go Trojans and fight on. Well, I would prepare Matt Fink. You have to prepare Matt Fink. He's got to get turns and so on. So uh, I'm not going to say anything's going to happen to Sam Darnold, but, you know, there's always that chance. In a game, you've got to have somebody ready to play. Now, you've got to burn a red shirt year when you're in the Rose Bowl. Are you kidding me? Not only that, Matt Fink would have the opportunity to say he played the Rose Bowl as a quarterback. I'd burn it if I could do that. And uh, who knows what's going to happen. This Sears kid, I don't know how many people watched the CIF uh, championship game with San Clemente, but I'm really impressed with this kid. This kid can run. This kid is an athlete. This kid, uh, I thought, is a great player. I don't know if you had a chance to see him play uh, the other day, but I did, and I'm really impressed by him. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I'm not sure if he's an early enrollee or not. Is is Sears an early enrollee? Yeah, he should be. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, there's there's a kid that's coming in that can really play. Now, I'm not saying he's a Sam Darnold yet. Nobody knows that. But he's an athlete, and he throws the ball well, and he seems like he's really in command. And so if I'm Matt Fink, if I can play, I'm going to play. I'm going to burn a redshirt year. And if I'm Coach Helton, I'm going to have a guy ready to play. We're going to be ready to win the Rose Bowl game. I'm not worried about burning a redshirt year. I'm I'm worried about getting two guys ready to play and green ready to play. If I need to, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win the Rose Bowl. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do what it takes to win because it's going to assist me in recruiting. It's going to assist all of us in uh, memories. Rose Bowl rings and everything else. So, yeah, I'll burn a redshirt year on Matt Fink. And I think Matt Fink would say, Coach, you do anything it takes for us to win that football game. Yeah, Coach, I agree with you. I'm not sure. My guess would be it's just going to depend on, you know, what they feel, who's going to give them the best chance. Um, we asked Clay Held about that on the conference call and didn't really answer <laughs> the question. He, he, he mentioned Matt Fink. He mentioned a couple of the walk-ons and he mentioned Jalen Green. Um, so it'll be in practice who ends up getting the second team reps. Uh, once practice starts, that'll be, that'll be something to watch. Whoever starts getting the second team reps is most likely the person coming in. Um, I could see it being Jalen Green if they feel more comfortable with him, not because of the redshirt thing. If they just feel like he may, might be a better fit or they feel more comfortable with him because he's not a true freshman and he's, you know, thrown passes in college and stuff before, um, that maybe, you know, that's the direction they go. Um, but I, I think they're like, I agree with you. If, if they feel like they need Matt Fink and they feel he's the best option, they'll go with him. If they feel it's a walk on, they'd probably go with him, you know, but 
I don't think the the red shirt burning would be that um, concerning. I mean, you know, that much of a consideration, uh, unless it was like exactly even. But if they feel he's a little bit better, I think you burn the red shirt. I agree 100%. And uh, I know how you feel uh, as far as him not getting a turn. And Green would be a more experienced type of player. You'd have to set up your offense a little bit different, and you'd prepare for that. But I think Green would do a great job. You'd have more of a running threat, too, as far as the quarterback situation. You wouldn't be afraid to run him. And uh, also it opened up your running game a little bit more and stretched the defense more. So I'll, uh, I would I would have that all prepared, ready to go, because uh, I think it's best for Max Brown, too, to have the opportunity of leaving. We talked about this before. And give young players an opportunity to get reps to be ready for next year. Because the Trojans, with a win in the Rose Bowl, can carry that momentum in the next season. Remember now, they open with Western Michigan, who's 13-0. Then their second game is Texas, and Texas has a new coach in Tom Herman. He's going to have everybody fired up. Hey, the future is bright for USC, but the momentum of this game and this season has to carry over into recruiting. And recruiting is so important if you want to play in the big leagues. And right now, USC has that opportunity to move to the next level. Not that they haven't, but there's still a level to go to get there with those other guys. We have a couple more for you, Coach. It's all about quarterbacks. Um, speaking of the running ability, you said, uh, this is from Tarek, with Sam Darnold's running ability, how many times would you run him by design per game? Well, I would run him by design, depending on exactly what we need to do, but I would probably, to continue with the holding of the offside, pursuit uh, and make them really believe uh, in our running game, which would open up everything else. I'd probably run him four or five times a game. He probably runs three times a game now on his own. So I'm not emphasizing running him every play, but whatever it takes to win and stretch the defense and keep them honest on the defensive side of the football, you got to keep the defense honest. You can't just ignore them. And I'm going to tell you, when he runs the football, he's going to hold the backside or hold the, hold the op, run, uh, the zone read. He's going to hold them. Because if he carries the ball, he's going to get 10, 15, 20 yards. He's a tough guy. He can run. So I'd run him whatever it takes to keep the defense honest. Then we got one last one. Paul, in your neck of the woods, Coach Vegas, uh, he says, how serious of a drop-off uh, next season at the quarterback backup position is there? Uh, whatever you thought of Max's capabilities, at least we had a qualified backup. To Sam this season, are our backs uh, against the wall next season if, God forbid, anything should happen to Sam? Will another spring and new uh, importance bring Matt Fink to an acceptable level, and does he have the talent to be a quarterback that could win games and championships? And what about Jalen Green? Um, or are our hopes screwed next season if something befalls Sam, uh, Paul, and Vegas? I, I think it's a really good question. I, I mean, honestly, I think, the offense is successful because of Sam Darnold right now. I don't know if there's anybody that you would recruit or, you know, that would do what he's doing right now, but that's a, it's a great question. It's a great question, but you can take the top programs in America and you say, what would Ohio state do without Barrett? What would, uh, you know, Alabama do without hurts? What would Alabama, these other schools do without their quarterback? Same thing. They don't have a backup like that. You might uh, think they do, but, uh, they don't. You've got to uh, say who is going to be the next guy. You try to do what you can to develop the next guy. You go through the same type of phase 
of getting somebody ready to play. And uh, if you correct, if you correctly recruit people, you'll have someone that's going to be there to to step up and be the next guy for Sam Darnold. And that's why recruiting is so important. And that's why it's important to this spring. A lot is accomplished with who's the backup quarterback going to be, and what's the philosophy going to be as far as the offense with the backup quarterback. I think, first of all, you've got to be able to run the football with that offense, and you've got to be able to spread the offense with the quarterback. And you got to throw the ball when you have the great receivers USC has. What what sense is it to have those great receivers and have someone who can't get them the ball? If you don't get them the ball, who cares? So you've got to have somebody that has the athletic ability to do it all. So that's not an easy thing to find out. And if you check around the country, every team that's got a great football program or great offense and plays good defense, he's got a great quarterback. So it's UC, uh, USC's obligation to find that type of athlete and develop that type of athlete. How many times have you heard me say, hey, this is USC. You don't get intimidated by anybody in recruiting. You go after whoever's out there who's the best quarterback in the land to come and be a part of the USC's football program, and you have a great selling point. As far as Sam Darnold being a backup to him, studying under him, and being the next Sam Darnold. And that's the way it starts. And if guys don't want to come and be under Sam Darnold, you don't want them anyway. Because you don't beat them anyway, but they don't want to compete against another quarterback. So you've got to go out and find those type of people, develop that type of quarterback. Got to have a great spring and a great fall. But Sam Darnold's a guy. And if you look around the country, we'd be asking everybody this. What happens if Browning goes down? What happens if Falk goes down? What ha- let's don't talk about what happened. Let's talk about what's going to happen. So let's move on with that. All right, Coach. Good points there. And uh, yeah, I, but I, I do think he's a, a huge key for this USC offense. I uh, don't know what would happen without him, but I don't think it would be good things. And and like you said, you know, Alabama took they they figured out their quarterback in one game. They tried three different guys. Hurts went in there, and he's not come out. So uh, they figured out who their dude was. And they're rolling with him. Um, all right, Coach. Well, hey, great stuff. Um, really excited that we get to talk about USC playing in the Rose Bowl again. Uh, it's been a while since USC, you know, back in 2009, they played Penn State. So um, really excited for this one. And uh, thanks for coming on and sharing all your thoughts. Right. The only thing I have about USC playing in the Rose Bowl that they didn't get to celebrate, I used to love. After the game, when you qualify to play for the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl would come down on the field and the players would run around with roses in their mouth and hold their roses up. And the tournament of roses would go in the Rose Bowl and offer the roses to the athletic director and the coaches. That's the only thing that was missed in this way, the way USC got the Rose Bowl bid. Uh, I really feel that way. And also with Penn State. Because it's not like the winner of one conference or whatever it be, the way it used to be. Now, of course, the turn of roses will fly back to Happy Valley and present the roses. And the same thing at USC. They'll go down to the Trojans and go in and, and present the invitation and all of that. We used to have a, uh, I don't think we do it anymore, but I used to be a part of it, the Selection Sunday event at the Rose Bowl. Uh, no, at the Tournament House, excuse me where we'd have the coaches in there and interview them by television and radio and all of this as far as coming to Pasadena. It was huge. And now with the playoff set set up, you don't really know 
So it's not the kids miss a little bit there, but they'll make it up when they get to go to Laurie's and this and that and Disneyland and all the different events. So, you know, you've got to schedule a little bit too differently for USC being a local team. I used to tell them always at the Tournament of Roses, these kids can go to Disneyland. These kids can do some of these things all the time. So you've got to give them something extra that uh, maybe uh, that they'd love for an, uh, a reason of being successful. And I used to tell them they should have a big barbecue on the beach for the Big Ten team. Because a lot of those kids have never seen the Pacific Ocean. And do different things with these kids really have a great trip. Because it is a great opportunity. It's something you never forget. I was on the uh, Hall of Fame committee for the Rose Bowl. <clears throat> and I've been around these great players when they're selected and presented and coaches. Uh, they tie Orlando Pace, i never forget. He was crying on the stage that his mother wasn't alive to see this event. And Brad Buddy, meeting his dad, Ed Buddy. And the way they've told us that we played in a lot of stadiums, but there's no feeling like coming on the field at the Rose Bowl with the flyover after the parade. Uh, it's just a great thing for everyone, including us, <clears throat> being able to talk about it, Ryan. Yeah, it is, uh, it is a great thing. I'm looking forward to this one. I never got to cover the, uh, beef bowl, so hopefully I can do that, uh, this time through. When did, did they usually do that like a week before or when's the, the beef? Yeah, bowl? they do it like the 27th and 28th, something like that. 29th. Now the game's a day later. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, they changed that too. I used to MC that every year. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, the last couple of years, you should be able to cover, but they haven't let the media inside and, and I fought that, okay? I really fought that. And, you know, I'm not saying things against anybody, but they, the media had to stay outside. We used to feed the media. It was great. But the room and the demand for tickets there didn't allow it, so the media had to stay outside and get all their shots and interviews when you got off the bus and they came in the uh, restaurant. But it's a great event. It is a great event. And they used to be able to, and I hate, hope I'm not rambling on, they used to be able to, uh, decide who uh, ate the most beef. Well, they don't do that anymore because what happened, some of the kids would just overdo it, and then the next day they were sluggish or didn't feel well, and some even got sick oh, wow. by eating too much. But it is a great event, and uh, we always select a carver, and the carver comes up, and I said next to we put him in a chef's uniform, okay? And he comes out, and then all the players are laughing and having fun, and... and uh, I asked him about, you know, how he got to the school and did he ever think he'd be in this situation to carve the first slice of prime rib. And I said, and one of the president or the Florida State guy, when they played the national championship, was a center. And I said, please don't cut your finger. Please, the coach would never, Jimbo would never forgive me for this. <laughs> and uh, it's just a lot of fun things. And the kids laugh and have fun and they eat great. And it's for the teams, really. It's for the teams. Some of the tournament people there, the wives of the coaches are there, the assistant coaches are there, and the media covers it. But very few people from the outside get in. I hope you can get it right. You deserve to get in there to see it. That's my favorite meal, man. I love, you know, outside of maybe Thanksgiving, but I get the Diamond Jim Brady cut, double mashed cream corn, that spinning salad. I love Lowry's. So. Well, why don't we go there sometime? You and I, I'll meet you there. Okay, that's With your wife. Good. I'll bring my wife. 
and we'll meet there. If I didn't know you liked it that much, I'll just meet you there. It's both of a little drive for both of us, but so what? Uh, I love it. Yeah, I'd love to do that. But uh, I'm a little bummed if we don't, if the media doesn't get to come in and, and partake too. But oh well. Yeah, you know. they don't. They even kept the TV outside. I really didn't like that at all. I, I you know, and I and I couldn't uh, get them to change that because I said it's a media event. And I said, uh, the media doesn't have to eat in there, but they should have access. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To the inside of the event of what's going on. But, uh, you know, uh, I hope that, Jay, I hope it didn't blow everybody's cover here and I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> but, uh, you know me, I've gotten in trouble before. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. Thanks so much. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. Follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll definitely do at least one more this week with Dan Weber. Maybe we'll do, we had Shotgun and Gerard on last week and that went over well. Maybe we'll do those again too. But, um, yeah, good, good Rose Bowl reaction. If you have any questions, send them in podcast at uscfootball.com and hope you enjoyed the show. We will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.